0: you're listening to innovation fuel a business podcast by university canada west
1: bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community
2: hello dave hi
0: why are you so quiet today I'm really quiet. Just remember the habits that I have when I used to be at home. For example, when I had a stress or something in my mind, I really wanted to show with my childhood friend. I missed her so much. And I couldn't find any substitute for her. So when I have something in my mind, for example, if I want to complain about my husband or you, I don't have anyone to go and talk. So I just keep it for myself. And it's it's going to affect my mental health, of course, because you don't have that support that you had it from home for example yes you made your persian food but doesn't taste that you had it at home because the ingredients are a little bit different you know what i'm saying so still you don't feel home
1: yeah but it's also the ambiance, is the community around you you know like it's going to be quite different having it back home Versus having it in a new artificially adapted to a Canadian society.
0: I don't think it's artificial. For example, the place that I live is surrounded by a lot of Persians. So yeah. I feel a little Tehran home here that yeah. it's a lot of Persian here. But is it enough? Is it enough for international students to just land to Vancouver or Big Canada? Do they have access?
1: this community. But I I think you nailed it there too, Gloria, because I think the challenge is too, is that you you said you might, it might be Tehran, but what part of Tehran is it? Does it get down into the really into certain smaller communities where I feel more connected to versus the big picture? And so I think that becomes a big challenge when people are relocating, coming to do their studies here, trying to reposition their lives and try to do something different. And, you know, PR status, maybe it is for just a change and a new adaptation, but I think there's a lot of layers of challenges. And I think we're not so quick to listen. Yeah. We're really quick to provide solutions and just throw things at you versus trying to understand.
0: Yeah, correct. That's that's absolutely right. But I think that we have expert here.
1: We have someone joining us again. We have our friend Christina coming back with some mental health tips.
0: And more importantly
1: for some of our students, more on the international students that are coming to our community. But we're very excited to welcome Christina back. Galari, what do you think? Are we a very exciting show ahead of us?
0: Yeah, I just uh, want to, to ask questions about, we know the changes come with the stress. then changing the country, changing the education system, it can be overwhelming. So I just want to know what is our stress factors for international students, especially if they're adults. What are they? How we can categorize them?
2: There's a lot of different levels to stress in general, right? So we've got our life stressors, which are daily demands that not only do we put upon ourselves, but others put upon us as well. So given for international students, if there's families that they are coming with, families that they've left behind in previous countries, that adds a layer of stress that is completely out of our control, Right have no direct influence on how somebody else is going to feel what somebody else is going to do how they're going to react and yet if we're in a position where we're bringing our families with us for example young children or spouses that adds a level of expectation to try to help them navigate this change as well so not only are we trying to manage and and balance all these new experiences while still keeping in mind what this path, what this educational journey of moving to a different country, experiencing a different educational system, what does that really mean for us? It's a lot more than just gaining an education.
0: Yeah, exactly. I had a student, she left her toddler at home country because of COVID for two years. I can, as a mom, I cannot imagine this stress that a mom can have it. I had another student that she brought her toddler with herself without any help. So not only she has to study, but also she has to find child care for her during COVID. You know, it's a huge amount of stress for anyone, especially if you are very new to
2: this country. Exactly. And there's, you know, there is a lot of d- various supports. There is a lot of different networks that are accessible, but being fairly new, you don't necessarily know how to navigate that. Everything that an international ex- experience while they're all coming in which their own baggage, right? Their own luggage, their own experiences. The one thing that we can truly say is universal amongst a different experience when you're coming into a new country with anything, frankly, new is that stress is going to elevate because you don't know what to expect, right? And you come in with certain expectations of how everything is going to plan out, how everything's going to be experienced, what your interactions are going to be like, and, and how easy and exciting it's going to be. While that excitement is very short-lived, right? We put so much emphasis on our end game, mm-hmm. whether it be permanent residency, whether it be upheaval of, you know, a difficult life back home, whatever the case may be that motivated a student to come outside of their country for education is the main focus. And part of that contributes to stress and anxiety being elevated.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And it's not easy. And I would never sit here and tell anyone that it's a, fl- you know, it's going to be a quick change. You do this and everything's going to be great. No, 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 because I can't do that. That's total BS. That's setting you up for failure.
1: There's already anxiety in coming into this world of education. Maybe I've been absent from the educational world. I'm coming back to do a graduate degree. Haven't been in school in a long time. I'm dealing with this anxiety. And then you layer that with these other things. Like, Christine, we're talking about layering. Like, I got to find a place to live. I got to find how I'm going to support myself during making this transition. And I might have a family. I might have all these other things are laying on top of that.
2: And that's the thing. We we have to be able to take a step back, right? And peel those layers away. Because if we start focusing on the outer layers of stress, which yes, are are more immediate and probably easier to change, it's not going to change the level of anxiety that we actually are experiencing with the magnitude of different balls that we're trying to juggle simultaneously. We have family back home that we have to support. We have family here that we have to support. You know, we have to maintain a certain educational GPA. We have to maintain a mm. job. We have to take care of our family. We've still got to do our schoolwork. We have all of these these various... Responsibilities. Yeah, it's
0: also such a cultural shock. Yeah, it's cultural shock. It's a huge for anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a student or not. If you can be expatriate, but still, you have a cultural shock. This is real. Yeah. It also
2: has to do with the fact that sometimes—and I mean no disrespect, of course—but sometimes the picture that is painted is the ideal. The rose glasses again. That sets expectations as I mean, to what the experience is going to be like. Yeah, that correct. is. Placed upon us, we take that and that now becomes the reality in which we are striving for. Mm -hmm. So, part of the management of all these stressors, part of the stepping stones towards lessening these magnitudes of layers of anxiety is focus on what can be changed in the immediate, at first within the sphere of your influence. And then do a hierarchy, do like a ladder of change, right? Mm. We cannot control what is going back home. We can't. Can we be supportive? Yes, but let's allocate time for that support. Let's dedicate time for ourselves to be able to, to navigate the changes and the distress that we're going through and dedicate time for your schoolwork, dedicate time for family. It is now about structuring a different routine that doesn't take away yeah. From everything that you feel you need to do, everything that you've prioritized in your life to do because of why you came, right? We can't take away from the motivation and the inspiration that has driven people to make decisions to come outside of their countries, outside of their comfort zones, and experience something new. We can't take away from that because that's what's inspired them to make the changes that they did. While difficult and will continue to be difficult, it's what motivated them. We need to foster that motivation in a healthier way. If we think about the experience as sort of like this mental blueprint that we have in our heads that we mm-hmm. come in with, right? And yeah. if we think about blueprints, there it's a design that we work off of. Every room is allocated to be something different. It has its size. It has its shape. And that's what we build our house off of. That's what we're doing with, with this experience. So we've built a blueprint.
1: This is a lot. Like, you're looking at this and it's like, freaking. this is a massive problem. This is a massive challenge. Where do I start from? And I think the other thing that I think we need to ask the question about is that what resources can I tap into and can I get past my pride in order to ask for help?
2: And I think that, again, we from the Canadian way and the North American way, the Western way, we automatically say pride gets in the way of asking for help. But we forget one thing is that most cultures have a network of support. It just may be different than what we view as support.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Every culture
2: has a sphere of influence around them that they go to for some sort of guidance, advice, whatever it may be. As human beings, we actually strive off of this network of connection. Absolutely. What we need to do is be able to take a different model of that connection based on where we now reside, right? Adopt mm-hmm. their way of looking at, okay, well, at home, I'm used to being able to seek out my family members or my community members because they experience life the way that I do. They know what my values are. They know what my cultures are. It's not about necessarily, you know, seeking people out from, for example, Portugal. No, yeah. I, someone from Feijão Sema, from that small town, because they're going to understand what I'm coming from, not the people from Ticeta, because their experience is different. So it is about finding that network. And I think that uh, from an educational, institutional perspective, that is something we can help navigate within our student population. There's a lot of communities, organizations within the various larger cities across Canada, for example, that have these built-in networks from people that have lived in the community that are from those places of origin that just offer that network of support and sense of family. Yeah,
0: correct, yeah.
2: And it's, it's again, making those resources available, but also even dedicating time upon entry, upon, you know, while we're trying to help them navigate this institution itself and the policies and, and you know, the, the schooling system, we need to take that same amount of time To say, this is what you have in your community, because we are in a position to help someone better their lives. Whether it be a domestic student or international student, it's part of our mandate. It is part of that as well, that we need to provide those resources. We need to educate our new students, either bringing in our alumni to be part of that. And I think, you know, again, sharing our experiences, sharing interactions Positive, negative, really provides the clarity that new students need to have around what may happen.
0: My question is that most of the schools they provide these services. As you mentioned before, is a culture is different. For example, I know from my culture or Eastern culture, is that we trust or we feel safe with our family and relatives. So if you want to get advice, we don't go for expert, we go for relatives and family. It doesn't matter how much of time I spend with my students say that this is not the right way to do it. This is not a good decision for yourself to doing it based on these factors, based on these hours, this is the best option for you. But it's still they will say that, oh, my cousin told me that My my uncle told me that. I think that it's cultural so it feel safe that these people they want something good for me you know I think my question is that as a person that I want to give advice to students how can I make this safe environment for them to trust me?
2: Well I think that it's really meeting them where they're at, right? And it needs to come from a place of not giving them the sense that you know better but that you're there as a resource to be listened to and for them to share with you. So it's not about this is what you should do. This is what you can do. This is what we have for you. It's what do you need and how can we work with you to find that support that you feel most comfortable with quite often You know, and again, within the profession outside of the educational institution, we do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we come in with this certain idea of a treatment plan or a support plan of what we think this person needs. Yes, that might come from research. That might come from other student experience. That might even come from personal experience of value. We need to come from a position of inspiring and motivating individuals with options, not solutions. When you come in a position of solutions, what you are doing is you're creating an ultimate barrier right out of the gate. And that's where it's, again, it's about expectations. Solutions are expectations that if I do this and you're telling me I can do this, then this is going to get better. No, Mm-mm. it's about providing the options of saying, okay, what do you think that you need? What has worked for you? What do you think you're missing? What do you think that you need? What are your needs, your wants, your desires? We don't ask students that. We tell them. Mm -hmm. Because you're here to do this, X, Y, and Z, whatever the program is, whatever the course may be, you're here in Canada, this is what and how things are done. And yes, certain things are mandated in the the way that we do things.
1: But I love where you're going with this, Christina, because I think society is all about, let me help you solve that problem. Let me help you solve that. Let me help you here. Let me give you a solution. Let me give you a solution. But what we've learned, even here, as you said, domestically, we we look at indigenous people. We look at different homes. We're throwing solutions at people rather than actually listening and saying, hey, tell me how I can help you in giving you the right tools to be successful for yourself.
2: Exactly. And you know, I think I mentioned it the last time that we we uh, we did a live where it's we need to listen to understand, not mm-hmm. to reply. And it goes the same with regards to supporting international students. We make assumptions and we bucket all international students into the same little tidy pile, saying, you know, They all experience the same thing. They're all here wanting the same thing. And, you know, all students from China have had the same experience. All students from Nigeria have had the same experience. And and we, we do this unconsciously and consciously in order to help us navigate how to best support that population of students. What we do not do and what we need to do is take the step back and actually spend some time getting to know the individual needs. That's where we can really gain traction in allowing and and really supporting this sense of belonging that we want all of our students to feel. Mm -hmm. Regardless of how old they are, regardless of what their backgrounds are, it is ultimately this sense of feeling comfortable, feeling safe and feeling happy. All students want that. Now I know it's 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 a very difficult task and, and I'm really throwing out this wishbone of, of saying let's meet with all students and I know that's not realistic at all and I, and I don't expect that to be. And I think that's where, you know, we can really look to our alumni, look to our returning students, even look to some domestic students as well to be part of that network of resource. And it's all about sharing stories. It's all about sharing experiences. It is about those interactions. That is what's going to not only help lessen stress levels for everyone, frankly, because we know that through connection, we get a sense of relief. And it's about building what that connection could be, not by our definition.
0: Exactly. exactly it's a research that's showing that the international student that they have a cultural shock um so financial issues language barriers all those ones create emotional instability they are not stable and emotionally, so they don't use the events in societies because they don't feel safe to be in the for example in the campus society for example if you have even cultural events they don't show up they just don't feel safe to be there it means yes we are saying that this community are available your community is available there but they don't feel right to participate on those why would they events
2: but why would they they don't have representation of anyone like them as a culture, and again, it's something that we've we've achieved great strides in. So progress has been made, and I don't want to lessen the fact that progress has been made. But we as a society have spent so much time focusing on what does a student in distress look like, not what does a student struggling look like. Mm-hmm. We are a society that looks at the the magnitude of emotional distress, or you know. this this extent of the cries for help and the, the complete and utter shut down as our indication of needing to step up and support that individual. What we need to do is be more proactive. And it's about building a culture of our own, of what does support look like? What do we want that support to look like that is as inclusive as possible? We don't appreciate that, you know, when we're looking at, this spiral, right? I call it the spiral because it's progressive. Distress doesn't just happen like that. Mm -hmm. It's progressive. And there are certain indicators that we can be more mindful of if we were actually in a position to want to be mindful of it. We care about our students. We care about our families. We care about our friends. And though, we still have this tunnel vision of what it is that we are expected to do. And it goes with the individual too. We go through our daily lives, international students coming here, they have their tunnel vision as well. This is what I'm here to do. This is the end game. This is where I'm going towards. But to try to pay attention to when things in our lives, things of how we're feeling are changing, that's where we, we need to become a little bit more aware, a little bit more linked, not only to ourselves, but linked to others, linked to our students, linked to our families to say, okay, you know what? I think right now I'm not needing to seek help, but I'm needing to seek connection. We need to separate the indicators of what is support, what is professional support, and what is the sense of connection. It is through connection that we can really pause that spiral from taking off. And maybe that connection is, you know, taking that time for oneself, you know, and that's the connection to self. Maybe that, that connection is about our family. Maybe it's about, you know, completely just disconnecting. It's entirely from what we need to do right now.
1: So Christina, on that element, is there things that these students should be recognizing? Is there some things that they should be aware of? As we say, let's be proactive. How do we recognize? Because you said, as you said, the tunnel vision. And when we have tunnel vision, we tend to not see some of the key signs that are coming along.
2: I'd probably say the first indicators that things are starting to slowly decline downwards to where we might be, you know, moving from a thriving type of state to a struggling um, state is with regards to changes in our mood. Agitation is a big one. Um, irritation, um, when you aren't necessarily as patient or tolerant of others, and that includes your own family, right? Mm -hmm. I'm saying others inside and out. That's a clear indication that your mental state has shifted. Then it's looking at, of course, you know, we, we've talked about this in, in other ways. We've heard about it, you know, eating patterns, sleeping patterns, things of that nature, alcohol, drug use, things of that, of course, are indicators. But it's really looking at what is it that I typically do when I'm feeling really good that now I have no interest in it, or I'm trying to procrastinate in doing it. Procrastination, um, you know, sort of looking for distractions. When you interrupt that mind flow, that is an indicator that you've lost complete interest in what you're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Whether it be
2: work or school. So now your motivator has been impacted. Well, that's an indicator. That's an indicator that now I need to take a break. But if I fight through that and I'm not doing it at the capacity that I typically do, that's going to then make me judge myself. That's then going to be internalized of like, well, I didn't really do that very well. So then, what happens to the mood? The mood changes. So, because again, bringing it back to the international student coming with with various motivators and and inspirations as to why they've made such a, a leap, such a a life changing decision, with family or not. Mm-hmm. That's what they're basing all of their decisions against. Mm -hmm. So if they're starting to lose that motivation or they're starting to procrastinate or they're starting to get distracted or, you know, a a deadline for an assignment's coming up and they kind of go, okay, I'll get 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 to get to it tomorrow. That's an indicator because now that motivator no longer has the power to inspire. It's time for a break. We need to be okay, and we need to continue to have that conversation of advocating and empowering individuals to just take a break. There are so many hours in a day. You're one person, one person in hours of a day. You will not be that same person every hour of that day. You're going to change. Your mood's going to change. You're going to get hungry. You're going to get cranky. You're going to get inspired and motivated. Some people are morning people. Some people are night people. It is what makes us who we are uniquely. And though we still have this this certain expectation drive to just show up every single minute of every single day without realizing that we don't. Our responsibility our duty is to be the best version of us based on us and based on how much we can give, not how much that day can take.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. I need to get back to the gym.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, like we, we need to appreciate that, you know, all those motivators are phases within a yeah. process that we've set up for ourselves. And if one phase is going to negatively impact another, you need to reevaluate what the expectation is of that particular phase. So education is one phase in a settlement process, for example, if that's the motivator. Well, how are you doing in that? I'm doing okay. Would you like to do better? Yeah, I think so. Okay, what's impacting you to do better? We need to start asking those questions because it's asking those questions that are going to help us gain that awareness. And if it's, I'm missing home, okay, that's valid. Of course, you're missing home. That's expected. What can we do to help support you in that? And we need to be okay and accepting of what some of those suggestions may be. We need to be flexible within our expectations of our students and know that they're human. You know, (laughs) like we forget. (laughs) We really forget that we are literally walking beings that have minds, feelings, and we act upon those. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what luggage we carry, regardless of what beliefs or values we have, we are our experiences.
1: You know, Christina, you you nailed it right there. And I think it's a great way to end our show there is that we are not artificial intelligence. (laughs) we are humans and we need to be humanized. We need to have human experiences and we need to be in tune with ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I think we all need to be reminded. uh, I know I need to be reminded multiple times that we need to be in tune with ourselves to retune ourselves so we can head down the pathway to success. But on that note, Christina, I kind of ask, do you have a challenge that you can throw to this wonderful audience
2: you know what I do, and and you know I shared earlier that I, I've been going back and forth with what this challenge would be, and I think that I want to challenge people to openly share what their experiences are—positive, negative, past, current. It is about through through sharing our stories and our experiences, we can inspire others to do the same, and we can learn from others. We only know what we think we know. And frankly, we don't know a whole lot that we don't know. (laughs) So by sharing our stories, we could possibly be planting a seed in someone else to look at things differently, to be able to gain a different perspective of, of their experience, or simply just sit there and go, you too? I didn't know that. Because it is through that that joined link of a shared experience, while maybe different and unique to us, the story outline is the same. That blueprint is the same. The dressings, the furnishings in in the blueprint is different. But to share your stories, share your experiences, and really sort of pull the curtain back and build that confidence to to be able to, to own who you are and what it is that you want from your experience.
0: Thank you, Christina. It was great. And hopefully everyone can listen and enjoy the show because I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. That was another innovation field. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Dave. Thank bye
1: you. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.
1: Visit our website at www.ucanwest.ca slash innovationfuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore
0: fuel.